This is Be Money Simple, where we make money simple so you can become rich and wealthy. Remember, I'm not an investment advisor. Please consult with your investment professionals before you make any changes to your portfolio. This is Be Money Simple, where we start building your knowledge to build your wealth. This is Hank for Be Money Simple. Now, it's not too often that I have the same title for this podcast that I have on the regular newsletter, but I really believe this one was important. So I I gave it the same heading so it's easy to find if you've... uh, come here from the newsletter Um, I can talk a little bit more about the items and really the topic is about how people lie to us about real estate and and today regardless of what topic you look at there's so many different things thrown out there that most of us wonder you know unless you have a good understanding of something what do you believe you know what do you think is truthful and so today I was listening to a podcast by called the I think it was called the truth about real estate now yeah I wonder what someone calls something the truth about real estate maybe it's my private investigator mind working but in this podcast the person talked about how you know interest rates have never been higher Uh, it's a horrible time to invest in Canada you need to go to the United States it's the promised land and his team will teach you how to get there and it's it's just it's dangerous. I don't know if you've looked at the Globe and Mail today about all the problems and, and different groups going bankrupt and investors going bankrupt and people walking away from condos and all of that stuff has to do with not following some very basic common sense rules. So the lies they tell people about real estate need to be addressed. Now you can argue and you can say, well, that's great, Hank. Those are those are your ideas. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, and I've, you know from the start of this podcast, I'm not a investment advisor. I'm just telling you what I think and what I do. And I've been at this for 40 years. And I think one of the things that come and go a lot are different um, types of experts. And, and we don't really have a way, and I don't consider myself an expert. I'm just a guy who's been doing it for 40 years. I don't know what that means. Um, but I want to share my experience, and I'm hoping that when I'm gone, maybe my grandkids pick this up and laugh a little bit about crazy grandpa, what the heck he was talking about. But but that's really the motivation. Other than the the odd, uh, I think I put something in there about uh, T-shirts. You can go pick up T-shirts or take my happiness class because I really think it would help a lot of people. But other than that, I don't I don't have sponsors. I don't push stuff. And speaking of sponsors, I was digging up some stuff. Because I, I used to listen to Dave Ramsey all the time, many years ago, uh, because I found his call-in people quite fascinating to listen to, and then I stopped listening because he got really into you know pushing the uh, Christian religion thing. And not that that's a problem if that's where you're at, great, but it, it kind of superseded everything, which I understand because that's the belief. But you know, I, I just want to hear about the other stuff. You know, I, I went to a Catholic school, so I get all that stuff. Um, But let's just talk about, you know, what's happening. So I was surprised to hear that his, I think it was his son-in-law came out and said that if you had, uh, say, a million dollars in retirement, in a a retirement account, you can't take out more than 3 or 4% to make sure, a year, to make sure you don't run out of money before you die. And I watched a clip, and I'm... 
I'm looking for verification because you know today with AI and all that stuff, you you don't really know what's out there. But it was it was in the Dave Ramsey library of videos. He flipped out on the guy. You know, he said, "What a what a dumb advice, stupid advice, and can't have that stupid advice going on out there." Who's the idiot that did that? Of course, it was his son-in-law. My God, and I'm thinking, his poor daughter, who I think was co-hosting that show. And I thought, holy. So look it up. It, it just it just made me think of a couple of things. One. Uh, we do have a problem with ego out there. So even if he thought it was dumb advice, it would have been nice because it, it was his son-in-law if he had kind of said, well, you know, we disagree. Some are more conservative. I believe this is the number. You can spend 8%. Some people, even my son-in-law, say 3 or 4%, but we have fun at Thanksgiving dinners and we argue about it or some, you know, some way to deal with it. But no, he said, there are idiots out there. And I'm, I'm not saying that in the sense of, first of all, they're not relatives. But second of all, uh, a lot of what I'm hearing out there is very damaging uh, things, common sense things that are damaging to people. So I'm going to go through my seven lies that I talk about in the uh, newsletter um, in a bit more detail. The first has to do with interest rates. And, and most of us today, if you're new to this game and you're um, saying, geez, you know, interest rates were 25 3%, now they're, they went all the way up to 7 or whatever. Historically... Uh, interest rates have been, if you're lucky, if we're lucky, in that 5 or 6% range. And there are obviously peaks and valleys. So, you know, when I was investing in the 80s and early 90s, we went up to, I think I had a line on that business I talk about, the wonderful ice cream business that I destroyed. It's one of our earlier podcasts. And I, I think it was 24% interest. So every time we put money in the bank from the stores that we were running, the bank would just take the money to pay down the uh, line of credit. And at 24%, we weren't really getting very far, um, which was crazy. That was just crazy times. So when people tell you right now, interest rates have never been higher, that's just stupid, idiotic advice. It's not true. That makes no sense. The second, and I've talked about many times, is that the home you live in is an investment. Well, that's not true. Uh, if you live in a duplex, and you rent out half or you rent out a part portion of your home, that portion may be an investment, but the majority of your home is not an investment. And there are many ways we can measure that. One, there's no cash flow. Two, um, if you let's say the price of your house goes from, I don't know, 400 to 600,000, and you sell it and you say, wow, man, I made $200,000 here in Canada, that would be tax-free. The problem is where are you gonna live? And I can remember when many people would do this um, years ago, the price that they would get for their house would barely help them buy a condo. So it, unless you're going to live under a bridge or unless you're going, your, your heirs, your children or whoever is going to inherit your house will sell it, I guess you could say for them it's some kind of investment, but for you it is not. Um, the third which I hear a lot about is, is you know, house affordability. No one can afford a home today. And we forget one of the most important rules to buying a home, which is the 30% rule. Regardless of if you're buying or paying rent, that cost should not exceed 30% of your gross income. So if you're renting, that's simple. Take the monthly rent, add in whatever other costs, if you have to play, pay heat or whatever, it should not exceed 30% of your income. If it does, you can't live where you want to live. That's tough, eh? You can't live where you want to live. You have to live where you can afford to live. 
boy, that's a, that's a new concept. Now, if you're buying a house, the 30% rule is family income, but that includes not only your mortgage payments, but all your other payments, taxes, utilities, insurance, everything. If it's greater than 30%, don't buy it to live in it. Don't live there. Don't be an idiot. Don't listen to that advice. Because if you do, it will be hardship. And the price will drop, probably, over time. Could go up, could go down. Who knows? Because remember, it's not an investment. Now, I say in the, in the, in the newsletter, if that formula doesn't work where you want to live, move somewhere else. If you're wanting that you can't, let me get you a box of Kleenex for you. There are many places in Canada and the United States where the 30% or less rule works. Stop whining, take control. The 30% has, rule has worked for 40 years, and it will continue to do so. Number four, this is a big lie I hear a lot, especially with this uh, Truth About Real Estate dude who says, cash flow properties don't exist today. Well, that is true, I say, in many places. Pockets of opportunities do exist. If you can't find one, wait as long as necessary. But wait, if you wait and don't buy or sell anything, how do these real estate experts make any money? Because they make money on commissions, on these consulting fees or whatever they call them, or perhaps on commissions when you take out a new mortgage or whatever. If your real estate property does not cash flow, and that's after you pay everything, including a contingency fund and a vacancy and all of that and CapEx, so you put money aside for the roof. If you're not making money, don't buy the property. They do exist in parts of the country. If you're not willing to invest there, don't. If you, want to, if you live in Toronto, you might have to wait a generation. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I just know they're out there. Number five, you must buy real estate when you can or you will miss out. Now, this is a significant lie that, that pushes people to buy crazy things. I was watching a show this morning with Mary, and I think it was, uh, I forget what it's called. It's one where they fix it up. Uh, oh, Love It or List It, Vancouver. Love It or List It, Vancouver. Couples living in a $2.9 million. Okay? $2.9 million. They're living in, it's their home. There's no income. Okay? They don't like the kitchen, you know, it's not open concept. They want a little bit more room. So they go out and buy one for $3.15 billion. They're going to sell their house. They're hoping to get, you know, almost the same. They might be short 100 or so or 200, but that, what's that? Who cares about that? And they're going to put that equity. In, let, let's pretend they have cash. Let's say they have all that cash. They're going to be spending in lost investment income, $240,000 a year to live in that house before they pay all their expenses. It's going to cost them over $300,000 a year to live in that house with no mortgage. After-tax income, by the way. So when you look at those numbers, you realize that you don't buy real estate just whenever you can. It's a huge investment. It's a huge asset. Now, what would I do if I had a $3.2 million personal residence in Vancouver with two young children? Here's what I would do. I would sell it because it's tax-free. I would take 
two million dollars or more and I would buy some very good investments that we've talked about. I'd put some in a GIC as well or bonds at probably 500 grand. The rest I'd invest in different stocks, banks and so on. I've talked about those. My income would be about, I'm thinking 150,000 a year. I'd take the remainder and I'd pay cash for a house somewhere else in the country. Could be other parts of British Columbia, but probably I would move to Nova Scotia because I know I can buy a mansion on the ocean for a million dollars. A mansion on the ocean or across from the ocean so I don't have to worry about erosion. I could look at the ocean all day. I could do what I want, hang out with my kids. What a gift, but no. We're gonna upsize. We're gonna keep buying houses. What's next, $5 million house? Who knows? So you don't need to buy real estate whenever you can. If you are lucky, to be in one of those properties where you, you know, you paid 500,000 or a million and now it's worth three. I told you what I would do. What you do is your business. This one kills me. Number six. This is the, this is a huge lie that we throw on young people. If you are in Gen Z or your thirties, you deserve a great house. And that's a total lie. My opinion is you don't deserve anything. You deserve what you earn. And I've told many young people when they say to me, well, what do I, you know, how do I get started? What do I do? I say, okay, buy a duplex if you can, live in half, rent out the other half. Well, that's not, they t that's not the kind of house I want to live in. I don't want neighbors. The duplex isn't going to be on my standard. You know, it's going to be probably 30 years old, not a great neighborhood. I mean, it's going to be clean and safe, but it's just not what I want. So what do they do? What do they do? Well... They go to mommy and daddy. They ask them to foot the bill or live in their basement so they can afford the multi-million dollar mansion they want as their first home because they say they deserve it. Well, that's a load of crap. Shame on you for draining your parents' wealth. Remember, karma's tough, as they say in the newsletter. Who's going to live in your basement when your parents die? Who's going to pay your bills? Because now you're used to living in, in a mansion where you're used to living in a home that's, you know, millions of dollars more than you can afford. But you think you deserve it and you're destroying your parents and you're showing your children a bad example. You know, one of the first places Mary and I lived in when I went back to school was a was married student residence. Cockroaches, police were there every day. It was a tough neighborhood and it was a tough apartment for one year. We saved up all of our money and we rented the cheapest apartment in the best neighborhood the next year, which was good because we, we wanted our kids to be safe and we, we were tired of cockroaches and hearing all the neighbors and dealing with the police and fearing for a lot of things. But you do what you have to do and you, you do it independently, you do it on your own and you're given the gift to learn the confidence that you, you can overcome any crap financial or otherwise that's thrown at you by the world because the world is, let's be honest, Life is crap interspersed with amazing moments. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's, it's comfortable and rosy and things work out like you want. It's seriously unfair and it's brutal. Just look at nature and that's one of the things I notice when I go out with my bees. It keeps reminding me of how really tough things can get and are. The last one, number seven, the biggest lie is that you know, anybody can just go out and buy real estate. It's easy. Well, that's the biggest lie I've ever heard.
it's not easy. It's easy to make a mistake. It's easy to overpay. It's easy to buy something that's going to need a lot of work as soon as you buy it. It's easy to buy something where you're taking advantage of and so on. But it is not easy. So I think it's quite complex to do it properly. Now, it's simple if you follow rules and you follow principles and you, you don't listen to the hype and the crap out there. But generally speaking, you need to have the right lawyer. These are all different people in my life. The right lawyer, the right real estate professional, the right lender, the right appraiser, the right inspector, and then you need a seasoned investor to advise or at least bounce ideas off before you pull the trigger. The most people in North America like most real estate and most investments, buy high and sell low, or buy high and just hope and pray that prices won't drop. And that's a mistake. So those are my seven, I call them, response to the lies told to us by experts. Now, there are many more. I mean, I, I, I mentioned uh, a couple of things about Dave Ramsey. One of the things I've always disagreed with is his disdain for any leverage of any sort. He hates mortgages. So in his world, there should never be a mortgage, which which, which it's just a good thing later in life if you don't have a mortgage on the home that you're living in, but you're still paying for lost opportunity, so it's still costing you. There's, it's never free, even when you pay off a house, not to mention what's happening with property taxes. But those seven lies they tell us, I think, take care of most of the misinformation or just Let's just call it flat-out lies out there. Before I go, I just want to let you in on a little secret. It, it sounds bizarre, and it's not because of ego or anything, but it's because I believe in it. Uh, pretty much regularly, I have at my side here when I look at investments and look at what I'm doing, um, what Grandpa learned from the honeybees. I know I wrote it, but I continue to refer to it when I look at the principles and how I need to focus on those and how they can help me get through difficult times. So if you've subscribed to my newsletter, you have a free digital copy. Get to Amazon.ca and pick up a, a paper copy. Send it to people you love, your grandkids, uh, and they'll be better for it. And I, trust me, look at it regularly because we often forget what we read. The other thing I commonly do, which sometimes gets me into trouble, is if I know someone who's going to have a baby or uh, even a grandchild, I send a copy of my book, Don't Be a Wimp, Raise a Strong Leader. I wrote it some time ago when I was a psychologist, but it continues to have value today to help young parents understand the word discipline and how it's really based in unconditional love and something we should all do. That's Don't Be a Wimp, Raise a Strong Leader. And I also continue to go back and refer to my book, What Grandpa Learned from His Honeybees. You have an amazing day, and we'll talk soon. Before I go, I just want you to consider the following. Does happiness lead to financial success, or does having money make you happy? I'm convinced, after investing for over 40 years, that happiness leads to financial freedom and investing success. I don't know how or why. I just know that it is true. I also know that in India, children take happiness classes to learn how to be happy. Is it a coincidence that immigrants from India have the highest median income of $150,000, while the average of all others is $70,000? If you want to learn more about my online class that teaches deep happiness, go to teachable.com and look up the seven secrets to happiness. In the free introductory video clip, 
you'll learn the three different types of happiness and why only one matters. Check out the seven secrets to happiness on teachable.com now.